And we're going to continue in, in this uh, two-week uh, series called Thank God. And we've been spending the last, uh, this week and last week, just basically talking about the idea of the Thanksgiving holiday, what we're thankful for, maybe some ways that God should be shaping or reshaping our hearts to be thankful. And so we're going to continue doing that today as well. I'm going to ask that you and I would go ahead and pray together. Father God, today we've come into your house to, uh, to give uh, joyfully to you, uh, as silly as that seems, uh, with hearts that go, woo, every time we get to do something with you, Father. It's beautiful, and we love it, and we love you. And uh, first of all, we come here with hearts that are full of thanks because you revealed yourself to us, us who were not worthy, who, who had no ability to find you on our own, who were lost and hopeless and abandoned, it felt, in the world, and yet you have always been there saving us. And today we come with thankful hearts because you do that work in our midst. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for your love and your presence with us. And we've come today, Father, to sit at your feet to hear from your word and let it speak to our hearts. We don't want man-made wisdom. We don't want some stuff we've thought up that we think is a good idea, Father. We want to hear from you. That's why we've come. And we want to not just hear from you here, Father. But we pray that this would be a catalyst, a starting point, that we'd hear from you in the world. That, that we wouldn't need others to convince us about you because we would be in relationship with you every day. And Father, that is a work that only you can do, that only your Holy Spirit can deliver to us. And, and Father, we pray a prayer of confidence that that would happen. And we pray that it would start right here this morning. We trust you with this prayer, with our hopes and our dreams and everything uh, future and past and present and even this time right now. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to continue this little series called Thank God. I don't know if any of you did anything special this week. I know many of you said, oh, I had a great family gathering. I had a couple of great family gatherings as well. I know many of you went to the parade. That was a blast. If you either watched it or walked in it, it was a blast to do that. But I know, and I talked about this last week, that many of you, many of you, statistically speaking, maybe half of you went shopping Friday. Did anybody go shopping Friday? Yeah, you can raise your hand. That's okay. <laughs> the, the rest of you are lying. No, that's okay. <laughs> we, we had people that were leaving our family gathering on Thanksgiving to go shopping as well, which is a fun thing to happen. Oh, it's 7 o'clock. We got to go. You know, which actually, if you don't want the family sticking around too long, that might be a good strategy. But um, So anyway, we talked about Black Friday and, and, and this idea of how we can get great gifts and more importantly, how we can give great gifts, Right? I mean, we believe that first and foremost, the truth about Jesus Christ, the, the God of the universe, the God that spoke everything to existence, is that he is a giving, a generous being. I mean, our very life, our breath is a gift from him. His, his knowledge is a gift from him. The wisdom we have is a gift from him. And our salvation is a gift from him. Our eternal life is a gift from him. This very moment is a gift from him. Everything that we have, he gives to us generously. And so we, we want to learn to be great givers. But last week we talked about how it's important. If we're going to be great givers, we have to receive things from God, which is interesting. And we don't talk about that a lot, but I share with you my favorite verse, which was Matthew 7, 7 through 11, which says, ask, seek, and knock. And from the very beginning of my walk with Christ, this verse stood out to me like, man, ask and it'll be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And I love that promise from scripture because it pertains to me as much today as it did the very first day I heard the gospel preached to me. That I can know God fully. That I can understand his ways. And so it's been a, a blessing to be able to hold on to that verse and I hope that you'll do the same. And you will never be afraid to ask God 
for what he would, what you want or what he would have for you or maybe more importantly, what you need. And today we're going to kind of flip the, the, the thing then and talk about how to give great gifts, right? We talked last week, and I, I, I love this idea of Jesus who is baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus in baptism. And the Father speaks and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And in that very moment, in this pinnacle you know, beautiful spectacle moment for Jesus, this moment of affirmation. It says the Spirit of God led him into the desert. I mentioned that because last week we talked about hard things. Whenever we ask for things, and God gives us hard things. And you'll recall that when Jesus came back from the desert, the tempter was there. Forty days, and he hadn't eaten anything. And he, he, he looks at Jesus, the tempter does, and he says, look at this rock. You could have it turned to bread, and you could be satisfied right now. And I love this, and I've been living in this all week this week. But Jesus, the great God, you know, I mean, the creator God, Jesus, looks at the rock and says, no. No. Because this isn't for me to have as bread. It's a rock. And I mention that to you because this week we talked about maybe some hard things you'll have to walk through Thanksgiving time. Maybe it's a loss. You know what I mean? Like Thanksgiving is hard when you've lost someone that you love. I mean, it's hard when at the table when you're gathering hands to pray and there's the empty chair for the first time. That's hard. And maybe in spite of all the praying and all the seeking and all the asking, the chair is still empty. Or maybe things in your life aren't exactly the way you want it. Or maybe you had high hopes about how the holiday was going to be, and then it just wasn't that way. Things got weird. And I hope in that moment you remembered that God is the great, perfect giver of gifts. And even when they're hard, we can say no, because God wanted us to have the rock right now. Well, today we're going to flip it. And I want you to turn, if you would, to the Gospel of John in your Bibles This is one of the hardest teachings that Jesus gives in Scripture. And I want to share it with you. This is Jesus in the middle of his ministry, walking among people, doing amazing things, and he's getting a great big fan base. I mean, people are just like, rah, rah, Jesus rocks. You know, they're like after him all the time. Can't stand it 24-7, following Jesus. And then in verse 35 of chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, Jesus says this. Jesus declares... I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have all seen me, and still you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the one that sent me, that I would not lose any of those he has given me, but I will raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. I mean, this is Jesus, and it's a a pinnacle teaching of his. 
And you remember, this is Jesus that said no to the rock turned to bread. He says no to the hard things. And he looks at his followers and all those who are gathered around him. And he says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me and you eat, you will never be hungry again. This truth encapsulated in the Gospel of John here is for all time. And it's the greatest gift we could ever have received. That God himself would come. We're getting ready to go into Christmas and offer himself for us. Give himself. And you know what he says? Just come and eat. Just come and eat. Look at verse 41. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the, the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus replied, stop grumbling amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who comes from God. Only he has seen the Father. And I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Here it is again. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews begin to argue amongst themselves, how can this man give his flesh to be eaten? And Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I remain in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna, and yet they died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. I will have you jump down to verse 60 with me. It says this. On hearing this teaching, many disciples said, this is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus comes to those who are so excited. What's really funny about this passage of Scripture is it comes after he feeds a bunch of people. And all these people go running across the lake to see Jesus again because they're hungry again. And, and right before this verse, they say, we're hungry, give us something. And he says, I can give you bread that lasts forever. And they're like, give us that bread. And then he says, here it is. It's me. Did you hear all this stuff in the passage about how if we receive him, if we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we become part of him and he becomes part of us. This is something that even today we get all hung up on. What does that mean? How, how can we possibly do that now? Are you hungry 
for God. You see, that kind of a commitment, I mean, that kind of a pursuit, I mean, to be a disciple that stays after that teaching where Jesus is there in the flesh and says, you're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. If you're the guy that stays after that, you are like a hardcore. As a matter of fact, what happens next in that passage is some of them stay, a very few of them stay. And he says, why don't you leave too? And they go, where else will we go? In that offer and receiving that gift is true intimacy. I told you last week that we weren't going to do communion then. But we're going to do it now. And, and I told you last week to hang on to your rocks if you took one. If you didn't take one, that's okay. And to remember this week that God is the giver of hard things too. Well, today I'm going to invite you to his table to exchange your hard things for his bread, for his body. I'm going to invite you to exchange the plans that you have for your life for his cup. And in this mystery of communion, you'll recall that at the Last Supper, he, he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it and said, eat each of you. This is my body broken for you. And then he said, every time, every time you come to the table, I want you to remember what it costs me to invite you to this table with God. I mean, we should not walk up here flippantly and act like it's a snack on Sunday. Jesus died so that we could remember him in communion. Communion. It says after they had all eaten from the bread, they just took it and ate it. Those disciples were just like, yeah, I'll take some of that. He offered a cup. And he said, this is a cup of my blood poured out for the sins of many. Every time you drink it, remember me. Today, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can bring your rock and get some bread. But I want to say something else to you. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can come to this table and receive him. If you come here and you're believing in him, if you come here and you're trusting in the promise of God, you're going, this whole thing, I don't understand it completely. You can be like those first disciples, I'm sure, when they're at the table, they don't get it. <laughs> I can tell you that the first communions I received, I didn't get it. But you can act in faith. And you can come today and you can take some bread and you can take some fruit of the vine and you can receive him in faith. I'm going to invite you, as you feel compelled, to come forward and receive communion today. When you get it, when you, if you come up and take it, exchanging your rocks, your burdens for the blood and body of Christ, I'm going to ask you to hold on to it. And we're going to receive it together. So, this morning, as you feel compelled, please come and receive communion.
feel like me when you come to the table as I was sitting and reflecting of uh, like my grubby hands, you know, his perfect gift. And uh, I feel like my dirty rocks and his perfect gift. And so today I'm going to ask if you're like me to receive it in faith, to receive 
the bread, his body broken for you, and the cup that he poured out to forgive all of our sins, all of our sins. Please pray with me. Father God, as we come here to experience you, to know you, I pray that today, through the simple act of communion, you would be present in us, that we would know you more fully, that we receive you more deeply, that we believe you more boldly, and that we would eternally respond to your great gift. Forgive us for our sins. We thank you for our forgiveness as we receive this meal you provided for us to eat. In Christ's name, amen. Let's eat together. different. I wanted to do communion right in the middle of the service. I should say I felt like God was calling us to do that. And maybe you were like, that was odd or different. Maybe you felt like, I wasn't ready for that. That's supposed to be at the end, isn't it? That's how we always do it. And yet God shows up in the most unexpected ways in the most unexpected times. And he gives us a perfect gift. I told you I wanted to talk to you about what it means to give a great gift. And I, meant, I mean that. And I want you and I to just walk through what communion means as a gift and how that should instruct you and I as we're out there looking for the perfect Christmas gift for someone. So a few things that we learn from communing with God, and I think that you probably sense that right now, is that great gifts are personal gifts. I mean, there's something that is so intimate about this meal. There's something that's so sacred that you just go, oh, don't screw that up. Just whatever you do, don't screw that up. I mean, that's our prayer. You know, we come together at the table. We invite people. Oh, just don't let us screw it up, Lord, you know. It's holy, and yet it's available. We don't deserve it, and yet we get it. And God meets us in this mysterious way when we remember Jesus' death, resurrection, 
promise to us. Great gifts are always personal gifts. I, I mean, the truth, and, and they won't, you won't hear this in our culture. They'll tell you, we know the greatest gift you need to give to every person. And everyone should give it to every person. <laughs> but you and I know that the greatest gifts we get are those that are very personal. It means that the person that gave it to us knows us. They know what we need. They know what we want. And we open that gift, we're like, that's exact. It means more to me that you know me. I'll try to give you some examples. I'm going to be a little mean about our culture. I'm going to back it all the way out. So go with me. Gift cards. I know. It's so easy, isn't it? The right there to check out. I don't know what to get Susie. Gift card. She likes to eat, right? Gift card. I go, just bring it all the way back and give cash. That's a gift card. Well, cash is impersonal. Really? So is a gift card. I'm being a little silly. A personal gift means the world to people. Our culture won't tell us that. They'll say, no, 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 no. Just give the mass-produced stuff. Don't, don't give something per... Or just say, I really felt like you wanted this, you know. Jesus gives the most personal gifts. And we can be givers like him. Like, don't be deceived. This season, you can be a giver like Jesus. Just walk away from what culture tells you to do and give something personally. Take the risk. Do it. I dare you, right? Go up and be that guy. Give something personally. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That's something that's in the grace of God at this table. That when you come up here and you don't know, like, you, you know, you're full of burdens, or you, or, you, or you got that hurt, or you got that sin, you got that thing, he's like, I know you, and you know me. And it's a very personal gift. Paul says this about Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were holy. He, he said, I didn't come for the healthy. And if you think you're healthy, you're sicker than anybody. I came for the sick. He knows us where we are. He gives great personal gifts. Here's the second thing about gifts that we can learn from Christ. Gifts will require more than money. They will. Something else you won't hear our culture say. They'll say, if you can afford it, they'll be happy. <laughs> But the best gifts require something of yourself. Did you hear the Gospel of John today? He didn't say, this is a substitute for my flesh. This is kind of like my blood. He said, this is my flesh. This is my blood that I'm going to pour out for you. And the disciples, even if they didn't know it, at that first communion around that table, when they were having the Passover meal with their Lord, their rabbi, their teacher, if they didn't know it then, the next, the next day when they see him on the cross, they know what he means. He will literally pour out his life for them. The best gifts cost way more than money. I'll remind you, there is only one financial transaction in the cross, and Judas wants a refund. He doesn't want any part of the money anymore. Great gifts are like that. They require us to... The, the letter I read to you earlier, someone took the time to put themselves out there to write something that, that's meaningful. 
We try to get close in mass-producing gifts, but it's going to cost more than money if you want to give a great gift. I would invite you to give some part of yourself away. I remember one of my birthdays, I think it was my 13th birthday, I invited all these kids over to my house, and they all brought presents. That's cool. You like birthdays? So all these kids show up, and they got the stuff wrapped up, and I'm like, I can't wait to see you at the 13, man. It's going to be so awesome. And this one kid comes to the door, and he's like, oh, I didn't know we were supposed to bring presents. Like, how's that guy get my friend in the group? I don't know. <laughs> it's my birthday, dude. But I'm like, don't worry about it, man. And this kid was a great ball player and stuff, and we got all done opening the presents. And they were, I don't know what they even were. I don't even know what the presents were anymore. But at the end of the party, the kid took his hat off his head. And he said, this is my favorite hat, but I have to give you something. I still remember that. It was, a, it was part of him. The, the, the greatest gifts. I, I'm telling you, I don't remember anything else I got. My mom, my dad, anybody that birthday. But I remember that kid's hat. It's personal. Jesus offered himself for us. And we should do the same. Hey, here's the next thing that we learn. It's all about extending relationship. Like if you want to give a great gift this Christmas season, give something that invites someone to be in a relationship with you. You know, some of our gifts that we give are meant to be taken home and consumed apart from us. You just go back and have fun with this. We give our kids their DS thingies or their PS whatevers, you know what I mean? And, we just, and they just run away with them like, woohoo, you know, and that's cool, right? But what gift invites relationship with us? What gift says, hey, let's get around a table together? Because that's important to me, to know you. Not, not to satiate all of your needs. Jesus could give us everything we want. There's, there's a great passage in the Proverbs that says, I ask two things of you, Lord. Don't make me rich and don't make me poor. Because if I'm rich, I'll forget who you are. He says, if I'm poor, I'll have to break in and steal. That's kind of practical. But do you ever think that? That his great gifts are because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to return to him every time we're hungry and say, feed me. Your food. Not the food of this world. Great gifts foster relationship. They invite relationship. They introduce relationship. And if you and I are going to be givers of great gifts, we have to give gifts like Christ did. That invite people to the table that invite people to conversation. And by the way, I'm not picking on any generations here because I'm convinced that we are all becoming disconnected. We are all in our own world. So go against that flow. Give a gift that invites relationship instead. Great gifts become incarnational. The celebration of Christmas, the Advent season, Advent is a season of waiting, it's because God came to us in human form. The word is Emmanuel, God with us. And much like the last two about giving gifts that are, that are, are um, relational in nature and giving part of ourselves, this means that when we give gifts, we show up. 
You can't phone in a great gift. You just can't. You know, you might be able to satisfy a need again, but you're not going to really get it. Just be there. Sometimes being there is a better gift than giving anything at all. Right? It takes more effort, doesn't it, to be there than just to give a gift. So great gifts become incarnational. They end up with you in someone else's space. They end up with the human interaction. They end up with some kind of engagement, some kind of exchange, some kind of a deal where you transact and you leave having left part of yourself with that person. Now, you see, by the way, I can say all these things, I guess, because I'm not a grandparent yet. I imagine there's a lot of joy in seeing grandkids open those things. Because the next thing I'm going to say is that great gifts last forever. Here's the irony. How many of you got a really great deal this past week? I mean, how many of you got that thing that you can't believe you got it and you can't believe how much you got it for? I can't believe it. You're telling everybody, man, I got this thing and it's so cool. I can't believe it. And guess how much I got it for? I got it for so little and it's so cool. It's so awesome. Guess what? Next year, Black Friday, you're going to be in line. Because that stuff breaks. That's last year's model. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I talk to people. I go, wasn't that the coolest thing you ever got? Yeah, that was two days ago, you know. That was three months ago. There's this new one out. And next year, I mean, just watch it. You'll be in line again looking for that great gift. What's it going to be? Great gifts last forever. They last forever. And I'm convinced as followers of Jesus Christ, as followers of the God in the flesh who walks among us, we are invited during the Christmas season to give a bit of ourselves and to give gifts that will endure. Now, I don't think that you and I can really give gifts that last forever. I think there's one thing that lasts forever, and it's faith. And that's a gift from God himself. But I do believe that we can have impact on those around us. And only you can. There are many spheres of your life where you can be replaced, you know? But there are some relationships in your life where no one can replace you. And this Christmas season, I would invite you to consider, instead of giving plastic stuff that's going to break in a few months, try to be, give something substantial that'll last. What are some ideas of this? I don't know, like give words of encouragement. Give an heirloom. Give something that matters. Give something that goes beyond the Black Friday sales. That next year, you'll still be glad you got it. You'll still be glad you gave it away. Because great, great gifts last forever. Well, I'm going to close. I hope that this made some kind of sense in your spirit. But I want to say this as we wrap up. I know that some of you here today took a pass on the Jesus thing. I know that some of you here were like, for whatever reason, you didn't have communion, or for whatever reason, you came up and had communion, but you're like, yeah, whatever, it's just the grape and the bread, but you took a pass on the whole Jesus thing. And I want you to know that the Christmas season is all about God here with us. And if God has been speaking to you at all, I would love to talk to you more about that. But it's not, because it's not about a Sunday morning show. It's about the God of the universe saving his people. He says, my sheep know my voice. He also says that I will chase them to the ends of the earth. 
to bring them back. And so if you don't know him today, you still can. If you took a pass, you can still know him today. I'm going to invite you now to close with me in prayer as we celebrate this gift of Christ among us. Uh, Father God, today we've come into your house in maybe an unorthodox way to experience you, to encounter you, to know you more fully. And Father, for, for the ways that we get it wrong, I mean, this, this our, I don't even know if we can transcend the culture that we're in because we feel so trapped. We're so buying into the messages of what's important. I pray that we would truly know how to give great gifts this Christmas season especially in those relationships that you have called us into uniquely. Right now, Father, I pray that you would bring to mind those opportunities that no one else has but us to give a truly great, enduring gift. And I pray that you would stir a passion in our heart, a great love for those people that you died, you died for, that, that we could extend a relationship to them. Father, in everything that you've done, you are just amazing. I mean, it's beyond words. And Father, for this time today, we give you thanks and praise because you are here with us right now. And we pray, Father, that as we move from this place, you would go with us where you lead us to be. Right now, allow our, us to respond with hearts and minds and voices as we praise you for your great and perfect gift in Jesus Christ. Amen.